Customer Land is a podcast about customers, how to get more of them, how to keep them, what makes them tick. We talk to the experts, the technologies, and occasionally actual people, you know, customers, to find out what they're all about. So if you're a CX pro, a loyalty marketer, a brand owner, an agency planner, if you're a CRM and personalization geek, if you're a customer service CSAT NPS nerd, you finally have a home. I'm Mike Giambattista. Welcome to Customer Land. I'm talking with Nick Meech, who is CEO and co-founder of a company called Matic. Uh, and Matic, uh, if I get this right, um, produces, automates data-driven presentations to make uh, what would have been a day-long, week-long, sometimes month-long process into a couple of clicks. Did I get anywhere close to, to, to write on that? No, I think that's that's spot on. Yeah, we, we're our goal and is to really automate those data driven narratives, which are presentations today. We also have email capabilities as well, um, right? Whether it is a business review, right, that you're sharing with a customer or a renewal deck, right, that goes over the value. Our, our hope is to be able to be, uh, create data driven content in order for you to build trust with your customers and prospects. Um. So we started this conversation talking about our respective backgrounds um, out of the country and such, which don't really have anything directly to do with retaining customer trust. On the other hand, I actually think they do because so much of what is at the core of healthy customer relationships is based on a healthy sense of empathy, of being able to understand your counterparts and what they're going through and you know, at the moment, at their their point in whatever customer journey they're going through, um, informs so much of how a company is going to handle that, and it boils down to an individual basis. So, I don't really think I'm tying things together that shouldn't be tied together. To me, it all kind of works in my head. But, um, you know, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about about your views of customer relationships, specifically customer trust, and even more specifically what it takes to build and retain that customer trust. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely jump into that um, and to maybe kind of set the stage a little bit of of how I've informed my way of thinking here. Uh, I'll dig a little bit in my background. Um, Prior to starting Matic, I was at LinkedIn uh, where I worked on building out internal tools and narratives for our sales and customer success teams. Um, and then before that worked at a customer success tech software company, right? So I've always supported sales and customer success and I've worked in companies whose main objective was all around customer success. So um, building that trust has always been a part of our DNA. And I think, you know, specifically calling my experience at LinkedIn, I just realized how much data uh, the importance data plays in building that trust, right? Uh, I think this isn't anything novel, but data is everywhere. That's how we make decisions now. Um, and, uh, you know, at LinkedIn in particular, we infuse data uh, across every single touch point in the customer lifecycle, whether it was pre-sales, like a pitch deck, whether it was post-sales, onboarding, value realization, renewal decks, business reviews, we're extremely data-driven. And, 
what we found was that it not only helped us build credibility and trust that you alluded to a little bit earlier with our prospects and customers, but it really led to better business outcomes, right? The hope is that if you're doing, if you're building trust and you're doing it properly, that it does lead to better business outcomes, like higher renewals, right? Lower churn, higher adoption, things that are going to be moving the needle for you and your business. Um, I'd love to hear about your experiences at LinkedIn, but also how this is getting played out at Matic, because one of the most universal issues that, that people I speak with um, have to deal with is not so much the data. The data is there. There's there's an awful lot of it. It's getting your hands on it and then being able to do something with it. It's turning that into insights and then and then a product or then a service, then a response that kind of thing. And, and that seems to me to be where, I mean, I can, I can, I can list off of the past 20 interviews that I've done. 18 of those have been uh, right around the core topic of, of data transportability and, and actionability. So how did that, how did that play out at LinkedIn and how does that play out at, at Matic? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you are right. I think uh, you know we do have access to data, right, uh, to a certain extent. But what I found at LinkedIn and even prior companies that I worked for, and even just what we hear in the market consistently is, uh, let's take a particular touch point. Let's say like a, a business review, right? So you may have a template that your customer success managers, account managers, that says, "Hey, here's the ideal business review. Here's the formatting. Here's the data points that we want you to include. Here's how we want you to talk about the data." And you, as a customer success manager, will make a copy of that template, and then there are placeholders that will say, "Okay, go to Tableau to get this chart. Go to the CRM, Salesforce, HubSpot to go and get this data point. Go to Nick. He'll pull this data for you in the database and put it in Excel. Do your thing and." So it's not necessarily having access to the data. It's just, it's in a variety of different places that you have to go to, which is really cumbersome. And then the second part, which I think you mentioned was how do I then make sense of it, right? And tell the right story at the right time. So um, I think we we found that to be an issue at LinkedIn and that's what caused us to go and automate that process because we found that our teams are spending so much time putting together this data-driven content Right. Uh, but on the flip side, we saw the impact that it was having. Right. So in order, you know, why automate something if it's not going to have an impact? And we did see that when we when our CSMs, when our account managers, when our AEs were using data in across the different touch points in the lifecycle, that it built better relationships with our customers and it led to those business outcomes that we mentioned too. And you know, we see that with Matic. And I think in today's world, right, in the macroeconomic environment. Uh, the need to be able to show value uh, and, and specifically through data is now like table stakes, right? If you are looking to purchase an offering or you're looking to renew a, 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 some sort of offering, you know, procurement teams, CFOs, they want to know like, hey, did, did we receive value from your product or service? Uh, and what does that look like? And a lot of the times you have to be able to tie that data to those value and the objectives that they had initially of why they purchased your product. And so again, it goes back to building that trust. If you are able to translate that data and tell a cohesive story about value, then it makes those conversations a lot easier, especially when it comes to renewal or conversion. I, I'm, 
Um, curious as to, because what you mentioned, the process was basically assembling data from these disparate points um, and automating basically, I would call it a storyline. Yep. <clears throat> Uh, and automating, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to knock the difficulties of assembling data from different points. It's very difficult. And a lot of companies really struggle with it, but there's also a real problem, um, that needs to be solved in terms of how do you create that storyline? What, what's the narrative? And it seems to me, because I have to deal with this fairly frequently in this world is that if there's a way to automate that part of it, that's an actual game changer. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I think what, what, what you'll find is in order to scale, you have to standardize, right? So, um, right. That's why you create templates, right? So if I've got, if I'm a thousand person company and I've got a hundred uh, customer success managers and I want them to follow a playbook, I need to make sure that I've got these templates identified, right? There has to be some sort of repetitive nature in order for you to really scale. You can't just throw bodies at the at the problem. And so you are right. I think most companies have some sort of a story that is repetitive in nature that they want to tell across their customer base. But what they lack is the automation to go and do that. And, you know, there's always, I always say 80-20, right? Uh, you want to automate as much as possible. And I would say the emergence of AI is going to help us get closer from 80-20 to potentially 95-5, right? Or even 100% where, hey, you know, you can have rule-based logic that will say, hey, if this data point is below a certain threshold, delete this entire slide, show this slide, right? Like that's doable today. But with the emergence of AI, you know, there could be a world in which, you know, we populate a presentation and we give you an exact summary, right? Based on all the data that we've populated. And that's kind of the key takeaways or the insights that you talked about. So I actually think we're really, really close to getting to closing or closing that gap for that 80, 20 to be closer to 95, five. Right. Uh, but I would argue that you do need in order for a business to scale, you got to find ways for it to be standardized or else the only way to really scale is just hiring more people. And we know in today's economic climate, Doing more with less is really kind of the the main objective that most companies are looking to do, right? Sure. Um, I was reading one of the data points on your site a little earlier um, <clears throat> from Glassdoor. Yep. Uh, 190 hours saved per week, the equivalent of five additional analysts, 16,000 presentations delivered data-driven insights to more than 4,000 Glassdoor customers uh, which equaled roughly 10,000 analyst hours saved in the past year. Um, I mean, I keep reading the data points, but that's, that's big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. So I can see where, you know, if, uh, you know, those numbers would probably skyrocket, uh, once some of these new AI based tools are implemented and, you know, things really do become fully, fully automated. It's just a really interesting moment to be, to have a tool like yours on the market when so many of these AI applications kind of directly speak into it. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I think most companies are looking at infusing AI into their product or services. And we really do feel like there's a lot of synergy with us to incorporate AI, not just, you know, 
hey, we're doing AI for the sake of doing AI. But I do think that there's a lot of things that uh, can be enhanced within our product or service with with artificial intelligence. And that's something that stay tuned. We'll be we'll be announcing hopefully in the in the coming months. But um, yeah, you know, I think those stats that you just alluded to, I think is a great uh, depiction of the value, right, of, of automation, right? Glassdoor has an insights team that supports their sales and customer success. And they were having to pull all this data, they were having to put together all this data for their customers, and they were able to scale that and make it self-serve for their customer success managers to go and pull a presentation that pulls in all the data for them, formats everything within a few clicks. And so... It's Instead wild. of coming and hiring more people, you know, they were able to do it through automation. And that's, you know, that's something that we want to put our, you know, that we really want to focus on is really allowing our customers to do more with less, uh, especially in today's macroeconomic environment. I'm going to make a prediction that I have no right to make, but uh, in looking over some of your materials and familiarizing myself with the offering, um, it's a little bit surprising to me that someone like Microsoft who's behind PowerPoint hasn't just said, we want it. Let's just write a check. Let's buy Matic. Um, And I don't want to know if you're already in conversations there, but I predict that those conversations will happen soon if they haven't already. Yeah. And like we're agnostic, right? We were, we're compatible with both PowerPoint and Google slides. So our, the output of Matic, when you go and generate something is a totally native presentation in PowerPoint or Google slides. And I think that's one of the things that our customers and our end users really love is, is that, hey, they're not learning a net new tool on, you know, like I said, we're not a new presentation right. tool. They're familiar with Google Slides and PowerPoint. We're just, you know, helping them automate, pulling in all the data and helping them create a story that they then ultimately present to their customers. Uh, was I had an email exchange with one of your team members in advance of this conversation, and they said something to the effect of, um, Nick, loves to talk about how you can launch a customer success from str- from scratch and become a trusted advisor. So is there a just add water solution to customer success? Sorry, um, can you that last part? Is there a just add water solution to customer success or or rather maybe just, you know, from what you see at Matic and your 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 prior life at LinkedIn, et cetera, for for mid-sized companies that may be uh, fairly new and early on the timeline of customer success efforts, what can they learn from your efforts? Yeah, I mean, I think people who are early or uh, starting out and are, are early on in the process, um, I think uh, I think you really want to make sure that you are close to the customer, right? And so. That means not necessarily doing, probably more listening, right? So really understanding what are the common objectives of why your customers are buying your product or service, right? And try to codify that. And then I think from there, uh, I think one of the biggest things, especially early on, is tying it back to value realization, right? Like, how does your customer realize value? And then being able to associate data to those things to be able to measure and quantify that, I think is is huge. And so uh, people that are starting out early on, I always advise, like, listen to your customers, try to understand as like why they bought, and then really determine where value is being realized and associate your data, whether it's usage on how they're using your software or 
the impact in terms of using your service. It doesn't have to be software necessarily, right? And then from there, you are able to test and iterate on, on, on stories that you can share with your customers. But I think early on, I think the biggest thing is, you know, listen to your customers, right? Try to really understand what they're trying to accomplish. And ultimately it goes back to like, why, why did you buy? And then being able to tie value to those objectives of, of why they bought your product or service. So, and then, you know, just like anything else, iteration, 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 uh, you know, what you probably start with is not the end state. I would argue that there never is an end state. You're always going to be, <laughs> right. uh, and that's, that's the fun in it, right? Like, I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this space is, it's fluid, it's organic, it's constantly evolving. And I think you do have to adapt and you do need to look at how your, how your, uh, the processes that you have in place and how you can continuously improve them. And it's not, you know, it's not an end state It's always, it's fluid. It's always going to be evolving. Uh, so, so what you're describing here is something that looks kind of like a ready aim fire process, as opposed to the one that seems to be very pervasive, which is ready fire aim. In terms of customer success, I mean, you know, I, every customer success effort is built around a listening process. But uh, I can't tell you how many I have learned of through these pro- through these conversations, where listening was bolted onto the process a little bit later on. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah and that, that's actually fairly common. I don't know if a lot of people would admit that, but that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, every company is different, right? So what works for company A might not work for company B, right? right? I think that's where I would argue the listening up front will help you identify, right? Where, where you need to do something that's unique to yourself versus, you know, something that you can copy from prior experiences or other companies that are in your industry. Mm -hmm.